Hello and welcome to What Are You Laughing At? Brought to you by the British Comedy Guide, the only podcast to bring you all the latest news and views of the great British comedy scene. Or not, there may be others. My name's Dave Cohen. Today I'm more bunged up than a Premier League agent, so apologies for any background snorting and snuffling over the course of the show. Come on Dave, you're a comedian, everyone knows you're snorting cocaine. Stop pretending. No, not me, not now. Joining me today, top-notch comedy writer, self-confessed sitcom geek, and thanks to his latest pilot, now an expert at bomb disposal, James Carey. Hello, Dave. And we're also delighted to be in the presence of one of my favourite stand-ups back in the UK for an all-too-rare series of gigs, comedian, actor, writer, and LA resident, Gina Yashere. Hello. Hello, Gina. Lovely to have you here. <laughs> Hovering as ever above proceedings, his iron hand of leadership clad in an iron glove, it's comedy's Mr. Know-It-All, BCG Supremo, Aaron Brown. Hello. Hello, Aaron. Okay, now, before we start chatting to uh, Gina, uh, a bit of comedy news. Uh, first news is Sarah Milliken, has, um, she, it was announced that she got a second radio series last week, and then about three days later, uh, she got a TV series. With exactly the same series by the sound of things. So Undoubtedly she... joined up thinking for the BBC there. I'm sure radio and television were very much talking to each other. Um, <laughs> you know, that, that's very much my experience. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, do you think they're going to bother doing the radio series? or? I don't know, maybe. I mean, yeah. ra- radio is fun to do, even if the money is... I mean, I have to say, even if the money is terrible, I mean, the money is virtually non-existent, but it is good fun. You um, did. Uh, you, I remember a great uh, play you did, didn't you? You wrote a play about oh, uh, yeah. gambling. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Wow! Yeah, that was a few oh. years ago. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever do a lot of radio at all? Uh, I did a few bits and pieces for Radio Four, and then I did um, a series with Julian Morris and Lucy Porter. Right. And that was like a sketch right. radio thing, and that was fun to do. And then after that, nothing. Yeah. It faded away. Yeah, because you don't you don't have to learn lines for radio, do you? It's lovely to. Be a, be a I like to learn my lines though. Yeah. Because I'm a consummate professional. Oh, right, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you're allowed to read them from a piece of paper, Not you want to them anyway. I want to feel the character. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, um, the other news is um, slightly bizarre news. I went to a conference in Manchester last week. It was about comedy, otherwise I wouldn't be talking about it now. But it was uh, it was organised by Sky, ITV, Channel 4 and BBC. And uh, the big news is that everybody's making loads and loads of comedy. And everybody has got pots and pots of money to make loads and loads of comedy, apart from the BBC, who have to carry on making loads of comedy because they're the BBC. But it was, a, it was a sort of surreal experience, really. I was up there, and the conference started with Lucy Lumsden, the head of Sky, Shane Allen, the head of Channel 4, uh, Cheryl Taylor from the BBC, um, and um, the... Um, He's thumbing through, through his yeah, notes. I got to pages and pages, pages notes, of notes. Elaine Bedell from the ITV. Now, all the very top comedy uh, people, purchasers, really, and um, Sky said um, that Sky is, is investing £600 million into, into, into programmes in the next year or two years, of which uh, comedy will take a huge slice, apparently. Most importantly, Sky Arts have just bought The Onion TV show. I'm very excited about that. Well, so they, that's some money well spent. Yeah, well, they talked or about... Or say that Trolley isn't wonderful or, <laughs> or Mount Pleasant or whatever the other programmes they've got are... Um, well, they're making, they have said very specifically what they're looking for. Sky, are, as well as looking for big shows for Sky One, uh, they're looking for 830 single camera sitcoms with a 
sharper tone. Uh, I don't know quite what does that mean. Well, exactly. <laughs> it means funny. Uh, yeah. It means funny, <laughs> sassy, maybe a little bit sweary, uh, and probably not annoying kids coming up and downstairs. Um, late night upbeat comedy. Um, again, you can decide what that means. <laughs> funny. That's what that means. They want funny comedy. Yeah. Like the last one. Yeah. Um, one-off event TV. Again, you can decide. I guess the idea is to one-off funny. One-off funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess you sort of um, they're looking for something to tie in with um, Stoke v Blackburn on the twenty uh, fourth of October. Sky Living are looking for four series a year. Uh, female thirty-something kind of comedies. Again, you're female. You're thirty-something. I am. Gina, yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. They're looking for you. <laughs> Which no, I'd stay in LA if I Sky Living is not going to tempt you back to Britain, I don't think, anytime soon. <laughs> um, Sky Atlantic are looking for creative, experimental, and authored programmes. Uh, it wasn't authored, I think I heard. Uh, not awful. Um, no, this is Ginzy. Very good. Um, <laughs> uh, with this, with Ginzy, has Ginzy been reviewed on this show? Not uh, yet, I don't think. I would just, I, I mean, I watched one, I just thought, I have simply no idea what they're talking about. It's completely not for me. I simply cannot tell if it's any good or not. Mm. Uh, that would be it's, my own. It's uh, utterly, utterly bizarre. It um, is, it's a very surreal program. I have no basically. idea what you're talking it's, about. It's, that, uh, it's, like, um, it's like the Mighty Boosh, but without a kind of <coughs> war with less narrative. Um, it's just a series of sketches with, with quite well known people in them. But, but I mean, I don't find the Bush funny either, and I don't find Vic and Bob funny either. So I sort of don't have whatever software is required to understand that. So I'm just, it's just people right. talking. I, I from, the, from the comments I've seen, I don't think many people have the software required to find Mrs. Gincy all that funny. Okay. Um, it's. Uh, People have been uh, roundly supportive of their creative vision because it's very. It's, they haven't diluted what they've been going for at all. I mean, it's such a it's such a rich, full world that they've created, but it's so unhinged and bizarre that it, it, it's just not. It looks expensive. Funny. I think that's the worry for me. Is when comedy starts looking really expensive and slick, mm. and actually with that sort of thing, particularly, it just needs to be a bit grubby. And that's nothing. Needs to be funny, yeah. And that's not expensive as long as you're laughing at. Yeah, I think think to be fair to Sky, they are, you know, they they are doing what they said they would do. They're spending a lot of money and they're trying to make programs, and you know, they're they're not going to do what they did last time, which is that they uh, put a lot of money into three or four programs, and as soon as they didn't have a big hit out of any of them, they they pulled out. I think they. They want to see how things develop, and you know, all credit to them. They're they're prepared to back a show that's obviously not going to get any mainstream um, following. You know, it's it, they they back it because it's a bit unusual, um, and they've also they say things like you know they want to make a lot of shows. They they want to stick with shows. Um, they want to move quickly. If they see something they like, they'll take it. Um, they want to turn authors into showrunners. Was another phrase Lucy Lumberton said. What does that mean? What it means is, well, they want to start shows. They, they, want, they, they want to try and make more shows that are like American shows, I think. They want shows like um, Tronid, which has now got um, two more series have been commissioned yeah. in a Christmas really? episode. Um, 37 episodes. I mean, I like, I, I, I like Tronid. It reminds me of Coronation Street when it used to be funny. And uh, it's, I think... Well, it, know, that's probably quite a good note, actually, because it... Yeah. Um, 
He's like, I thought it looked, Tony looked really good and it was really nice, good characters, good performances, but it got to the end and I realised I hadn't actually laughed. Mm. Right. I, I, I felt a bit, a bit low on actual kick in the guts jokes. I sort of, I bought into it, I thought it looked great and I just thought, I've only seen one, so maybe I just need to get into it, mm. but I, it didn't, didn't quite ring my bell. Yeah, but I mean, they are trying and they, they, they want to make, you know, they, they want to turn these shows in, into shows that will bring in, bring along new writers and new performers. So I guess, I guess you know, the, the, what they want to do is, you know, is, is a good thing. But I mean, the other thing, I mean, the really big change that if Sky does get big, I think, is that um, talking about subscription TV, there's going to be a lot more um, TV that's, you know, pe- people will watch Sky, people will subscribe to Sky. I mean, I don't know, is that, how is it in America? Yeah, well, in America, all the best comedy channels are not the NBCs, which is the equivalent of the BBCs. It's the, it's the subscription channels, the Showtimes, the HBOs, the Comedy Centrals, Comedy Cent- you know, so, yeah, it probably will go that way. Yeah, and are those, are those um, subscription channels more successful in America? Showtime is very successful, not so much for comedy, they're getting into comedy now. Um, so, but they basically just like find people special and stuff. But, but definitely for kind of out there programming, like shows like Dexter and stuff, starting on Showtime. So Showtime's got a pretty big from their bold commissioning move, I suppose. Um, HBO is very much a boutique comedy channel. If you get a special on HBO, that's that's you know compared to Comedy Central, which is more likely. McDonald's of comedy and HBO is more likely, you know. <laughs> are the other are those big channels, are they kind of suffering more as well? Or, or, uh, I don't think they're that? suffering. I, I still, I mean, obviously the cable channels are taking a good chunk of their audience, but um, I don't think they're suffering. But definitely you see a better, I think more darker, more interesting comedy on the cable channel because they're obviously willing to take a lot more risks than very, very commercial-led big stations that are very worried about advertising revenue, you know? And they're also different as well, aren't they? On broadcast television in the States, you, you just can't swear, can you? Um, and you, you know, there is no nudity, there is no nothing. I mm. mean, um, that sort of three-quarters of British comedy already ruled out. So, yeah, no, it seems to be very different. I mean, for me, I know the British writers complain a lot about those sorts of rules in terms of, you know, oh, BBC say we can't swear. You just think, Seinfeld doesn't swear, Fraser doesn't swear, Friends don't swear... Yeah. Get over it. It can be funny, you yeah. know. Yeah. If it's his own thing like Curb or something like that and it needs swearing and I'm doing this soldier comedy which will have obviously quite a lot of swearing in it because mm. if it doesn't, it won't really be very believable. But I just think a lot of swearing is pretty negotiable and you don't, you don't mm. need it. But. Directly negotiable. I remember one episode of my family where we were having to negotiate directly with the head of BBC Comedy of the number of the number of shits that we were allowed to say. <laughs> and we were, there was a, James Henry who run the show and quite literally said, right, okay, if you let us have um, that prostitute on page 54, we will lose the shit on page 52. <laughs> and they said, yeah, all right. I mean, right. it really is haggling like that. <laughs> but to, 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 to carry on then, I mean, to, to move away from Sky, uh, um, ITV say, yeah, they're definitely, they, ITV... Uh, just to fill you in again, Gina, they, they tried comedy, genuinely made an effort about two or three years ago, and then the recession, uh, five years ago, and then the recession came and took all the advertising away and they had no money. Well, now they are determined to do more comedy. Yeah, they have said, I mean, they have said about every 12 to 15 months for the last eight or nine years, no, no, we really are going to do comedy, but they haven't actually done a comedy since Hardware, have they? Haven't actually done a Studio sitcom since Hardware? Yeah, they did. Uh, and that's Teenage Kicks. 
Uh, okay. Yes. That, was, that was a Radio 4 transfer. That was an outlier, wasn't it? And didn't do very didn't go well. so well. So they, it feels like they sort of do one and then they run back off into their shell. But actually, ITV need to commission ten shows. Well, they, eight will be dreadful. One will be great. Or well, they need fine. to give them a chance when they do commission it. Yeah. Like I did a comedy drama called Married Single Other. They gave it one series, and it, it, you know, it had decent figures, but not quite what ITV wanted. And they shelved it after one series. It's like you didn't even give it a chance to to grow. Mm, you know, yeah. it's not like it was universally panned. People actually liked it. It just didn't get. They were like, no, sorry, you didn't get seven million. Goodbye. You know, they yeah. just. Yeah, no, it's. Well, they are. They lost you. They lost you. They're lost. Yeah. yeah. They, they said that next year they're moving the Thursday 7.30 Coronation Street episode. Uh, and that will be... A Open to comedy writers. To comedy, yeah. Yay! So 7.30 <laughs> on a Thursday is going to be pre-Watershed comedy slot. Except it'll have, to be, it'll have to be a version of Coronation Street, presumably. So different, cor- different writers write an episode of Coronation Street in front of an audience. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, they've got... Things that I'm sure Harry Hill would find would, would, would be comfortable there. I'm sure there's quite a few other people who, who would be happy there. Um, Channel 4, meanwhile, have, they've sort of tripled the amount of comedy that they can have because of no more Big Brother on Channel 4. And um, they're, you know, they're just going to be making a lot more comedy. I mean, I don't know tons where. of pilots, actually. Tons I mean, of pilots. Incredible. Yeah. Well, that's, they, they've got a lot of space to fill now. You know, aren't we all sad that Big Brother is no more? Well, it's moved to Channel 5, by the yeah. way. The, the body is still just about uh, moving. The twitching. Body, twitching, yeah. But, uh, I think it's doing all right for five, actually, isn't it? Are we being a, being a bit not, of a disservice? Perhaps, but... I mean, it's it's, it would otherwise be showing an episode of, yeah. you know, CSI Detroit or... Yeah. <laughs> they, should, they should do a British CSI, shouldn't they? CSI Wantage. Mm. See, I think every city should be allowed to bid for it. Bid for the CSI. Give it free uh, location well, think, shooting. You know, this is, the, this is what Lucy London is talking about with, with Sky. She said, you know, so far they've had shows from Wales, Warrington, Western Supermare. Um, I like the way Wales is. Yes, it's comparable with Western Supermare. But I mean, that's a, uh, you know... I, I could sort of almost imagine a situation where they'd say, okay, we're going to make a, a sitcom set in Inverness. Um, Inverness people get subscribing, you know, like yeah. we need 300 of you to subscribe to Sky yeah. to be able to afford to make this programme. I don't know. That, Who knows? Who knows? There are all different ways of, um, of making programmes. But they all, everybody's totally upbeat. Except for, of course, the BBC, who've got no money. and everything. You were the ones who are immune from commercial sponsorship yeah. and therefore should be completely uh, yeah. resplendent in their unassailable yeah. position. Yeah. Cheryl Taylor says she's looking for big personalities. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was my feeling. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know, I just thought... I, when oh, I listen oh. to this shit, it just depresses me. <laughs> it makes me even less want to get on a plane back to England. Yeah. Just, well, you know, I was sitting there, and, and the, 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 there was kind of an air of disbelief. And this was this was the opening chat, and then as they got on, more and more people chatting about being more optimistic about all the things that that are sort of being anything is possible. Uh, and then Mark Freeland came on sort of later. He's the head of BBC Comedy, and he sort of. Uh, I suppose he was a bit more kind of circumspect, really. You know, he he sort of challenged Sky to say, "Well, okay, are you going to be, are you going to take on training people as well?" And I mean, Lucy Lovson wasn't in the room as well at the time, so she couldn't answer that. Oh, missed a chance for a fight. That'd be an interesting. Should have done that on the intervals, stood around and yeah. shouted, "Fight, yeah. fight, fight!" 
And then at the end, Kent and Alan of Big Talk uh, interviewed uh, Asha Tara, who of produced The Office and produces Trolley, uh, Damon Beasley, and in between us, James Corden, and you know, sort of talked to them about what's it like to have the biggest hit show of the moment. That's a very useful question to be asking, isn't it? Well, what sort of question is that? That's the ask kissing section. Yeah. Yeah. But it was Everyone quite else is tired, half yeah. people on the train home already. Yeah, I became a, I've, I've become a big fan of James Gordon now after seeing that. Not just because he said horrible history was fantastic. I, he's I, good and he's funny. I felt he's, very he's, sympathetic to him. Yeah, yeah, he, no, he he's, was, he's uh, proper funny. Yeah, yeah. He talked very uh, frankly about coping with failure. You know, he was sort of very upfront about that. So, um, so yeah, so that's it. Our future is sorted. We've all got loads of um, tele programs. Right, I'll be booking my return flights on there. Yes, <laughs> for your ITV series. And we'll be starting in January. Well, you know, I was expecting slightly more upbeat response here. Maybe no, no, it's good. I think it's, I think it's brilliant that, I mean, yeah. the BBC, unfortunately, have had it their own way uh, for quite a long time in terms of. I mean, I'm a comedy writer and I would, I would love to be not almost entirely dependent on the BBC for my income, just from a business point of view. Mm. Um, but it's great if ITV really are serious about it, Channel 4 making loads of stuff, Sky making stuff. It'd be great to see Channel 5 at least make a couple of shows, that would be nice. Mm. Um, even really dirt cheap shows, that would be nice but if they just, you know. They yeah. had highlights from Just for Laughs in Montreal earlier yeah. this year, but that was, a, that was tucked away on Five Star, right. the digital channel. Well, so apparently, yeah. Apparently, Suburban Shootout is getting a second remake pilot in America, so there's a Channel Ooh. 5 show. Um, the Channel 5 show, if I recall. The Channel 5 sitcom. Well, oh. respectable. The, uh, the prostitutes. Oh, right. and, uh, sitcom set in a, in a brothel. Yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> um, and there was a, De- is it D'Angelo's or something? Angelo's. Angelo's. Okay, well, coming soon, what's coming up? We've got, uh, there's this film about the, uh, the the making of Life of Brian, Holy Flying Circus, on the 19th of October, with lots of people who look like Monty Python people now, playing Monty Python people. Um, good, anyone heard any, any good things about that? I would normally be opposed to this form of television, because it's basically comedy, a replacement comedy service, it's, it's basically comedy writing about comedy, yeah. rather than oh, just make a new show. But, A, it's been written by Tony Roche, who is brilliant. Mm. B, brilliant people are in it. And C, I saw that Caitlin Moran had tweeted that she was watching a preview tape and 50 minutes in had to stop it and have a little cry about how good it was. <laughs> and just said she was just blown away with how good it was. So hopefully it's brilliant. Good. But please, no more comedy dramas about comedy. They do, BBC4 do a lot of that, don't they? But yeah, it just strikes me that it's the, not... It's the cheating. Albert Steptoe story yeah. was one that I thought... And they're always, they're always yeah. quite good. They're okay. You yeah. just think, make yeah. a new show, you could, have, you could do another Thick of It or another 2012 or another, yeah. you know. <laughs> I'd make a show for next to no money for BBC4. I'm, you know, I'm sure a hundred other comedy writers would. Yeah. Okay. make a show. So the other show coming up is on Comedy Central... And it's called Threesome, I think. The first yeah. sitcom. The, their first original sitcom, and you've been, you've been able to watch it online, 20, uh, 20 minutes, you know, 22 minutes long. So I managed to watch most of it, um, and my only initial thought was, this looks great in terms of, I love the, the tempo of it, and the, I thought it was quite funny. I personally found the overall 
concept of the show difficult, by which I mean the idea is about a woman who blah 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 has a threesome and they end up having a baby and the, it, so it's going to be raised by three of them and in one sense it's just my two dads I guess but it just, to me personally and I'm actually personally very prudish it just felt really icky and that really got in the way of the comedy for me but this is, you know but I'm aware that it actually might really connect with, with other people sluts. Well, yeah, with people who, who didn't wait till they got married before they had sex for the first time. Um, so it's, it, so it looked, but it looked funny. The, the guy out of, um, who played Scoose in White, yeah. who was also in The Great Outdoors, he's in it and he's really funny Steve in it. White. Um, and it just looked really well shot and it looked, it looked fresh and exciting. But again, it's like with Jinsey, I don't quite get it. With Threesome, I just thought, ah, oh, this is getting in the way of me having a nice time. And so it's, it's a sort of a show that I don't particularly want to watch. Even though I'm sure it'll be bright and airy and not icky at all, but you're always going to have to go back to that original premise. And I just thought, nah. I'd say bring back innuendo. We haven't had innuendo for a long time. And I think, you know, when a show is called Threesome, <laughs> I want it to be about something other than... A threesome. <laughs> that's not an innuendo. Uh, yeah, that isn't an innuendo. That's just a threesome. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but anyway, it should be interesting. One to look out for. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that's <coughs> received and um, where Comedy Central go. Whether they go down the uh, route Sky, uh, more broadly looking to take with their with their own brand of channels, or whether um, this is just it and there's a slow trickle of few other shows, maybe they're popular, maybe they're not, so we'll see how that goes. But any UK broadcaster making original comedy is great, and it seems like it's, in one sense, never more than ever going back to the Manchester thing, you know, everyone wants to make comedy. Right, there's a a long list of coming soon programmes, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and one of them is a sitcom. Yay! James, you'll be pleased to know. Yeah, wow. Narrative, Pete versus Life, coming back for a second series. Oh, okay. Well, I'm less um, excited now. The rest are all Chris, Moyle, Chris Moyle's Quiz Night, Hollywood Special, Russell Howard's Good News, Argumental, uh, Dave's One Night Stand, The Graham Norton Show, etc., etc. Slight so, repentance on my part about panel shows. I have, my long, I have, a, I have a, a long-standing dislike for panel shows, uh, just because you think I would rather watch a sitcom. David Tyler made on a few podcasts ago made the point that the money comes out of a different budget. Don't get angry. They're not going to make a sitcom if they don't make a panel show instead. It's not. It's not the same. But secondly, I watched Would I Lie to You for the first time the other day on Friday night. Actually, it was hilarious. It was really funny. David Mitchell um, was yeah, being hilarious funny. with Lee Mack, and it's almost like a. I think you were saying a, like a class comedy. Well, there was this in was, panel game form. Yeah. Well, this was a, like a, a conscious decision by Harry Thompson when he when he took uh, took on "Have I Got News for You," was to uh, was, was to take his favourite sitcoms were all Steptoe and Dad's Army being a class sitcom. So that was the, the the point was to make take that element and put it in a panel show. That's why you had Paul on one side, Lean on the other, and, and Angus in the middle. They uh, they, they both can't stand. Um, and then that was sort of he then kind of stand up really tight yeah or was that just no no well that was it yeah it was just they deliberate... used to tease him on the show didn't yeah. they the, but you know well, whether yeah. they were friends in real life or not well, no uh, it's, it's a mean, good point know, but um, yeah um, unlikely I think but uh, they did the same thing with uh, the sport one they think it's all over Lee Hurst on one side David Gow on the other Yes. And John Lloyd did it with QI with Alan Davis and Stephen Fry yeah and would I like to you know Lee Mark David Mitchell so it's kind of 
it, it, it's a very popular way. You know, it's getting the British obsession with class into a panel show. Yeah. So it's making it more than just oh, here's a panel show, here's a load of questions. Yeah, and it works very well. And lots of lot, I watched Will I Lie to You because so many people had said, by the way, it's really, really funny. Um, in a way that they sort of don't with most other panel games. Yeah. Um, so I was quite pleased. But um, I was going to mention, because there's been quite a debate quite recently, uh, Junior, about uh, Mock the Week. Uh, uh, about its um, and a lot lack of, of women, perhaps? Lack of women, yeah. A lot of women have complained about it. And there's, there's, uh, I can, actually, I can I'm pleased to say there's no window in this room for Gina to jump out the window. And we're on the ground floor. On the ground floor, floor yeah. so that's fine. You can't jump well, out the window. <laughs> well, Joe Brand criticised Mock the Week. He sort of singled out Mock the Week, I think, as a show that, 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 that is... Uh, not good for women, and I think, and they've been, they've been defending themselves at the week uh, through, as has Ian Hislop been defending Private Eye, which is 50, 50 years old, and the fact that no women write for Private Eye, and um, in fact, I can I can reveal exclusively now that there's going to be a, a big um, a, a big sort of debate about this. Writers Guild are hosting a, a debate on the twenty third of November. Um, about women in comedy that's going to... Oh, for God's sake. Uh, I'm bored of all these women in comedy fucking discussions. <laughs> Just, yeah. Well, because uh, of this... Because you can swear on this podcast. Mm. You, know, you can swear. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You, can, you can say the foulest yeah. thing imaginable. Do you know how many interviews I get, I turn down for people going, oh, we'd like you to come on and discuss women in comedy. I'm like, no, I'm not interested. I don't want to talk well, about I think it'll be comedy, fine. Women in comedy, honestly. I think it will be. I mean, it's basically moving it on. I think it wouldn't have. This wouldn't be happening if it hadn't been for the fact that this particular debate about Mock the Week has has kind of brought out a lot of people saying a lot of stuff that's new compared with the old. Oh, uh, what's, the it's the, what's the news? What's the news? What's the news? Yeah, yeah. I don't hear the news. What's stuff. new? What's the well, stuff? I mean, first of all, a lot of the, the, there are women who produce. Uh, and make topical comedy shows saying, well, you know, show me some funny women and I'll, I'll put them on, and that, that, which is a sort of refreshing change to hear that. Well, that's not really, it's just stupid it's, women hating women. No, it's, no, it's not. It's saying, you know, that, uh, and then there's been more of, some funny women. There's more of a discussion as well about why don't more women do topical comedy, and I think that is a very valid question. You know, I've, I've done topical comedy shows for 20, 25 years, and I, I you know, I can count the number of women that have been in all the comedy rooms uh, that I've been in on, on uh, two two fingers. Uh, so you know, it is a it is a valid point that of all the types of comedy, women don't seem it, to do it, topical the, comedy. The, it's not about the fact that there aren't enough women on Mock the Week. Is when women do go on Mock the Week, they get drowned out by the very high testosterone level. In the room, it's very, very... I mean, I'm quite an aggressive, loud woman, so I can get away with it. But even I, fact, sometimes on the show, just by myself, going, oh, I can't be bothered to fight this. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, I've heard from other comedians who are actually on it that it is... It is the, moment the, the moment the red light goes on, you start recording, it's elbows out to oh, get your yeah. stuff on the show. I was on the show with Adam Bloom. Now, you know, <laughs> you know that nobody can stop Adam Bloom from talking. He did not get a word in. Right. Wow. On the show, Adam Bloom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I didn't mean to laugh out loudly, but yeah, that, yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Wow. So you know, this is how hard it is to get a word in. If Adam Bloom struggled to get a word in, yeah. you know, your average female comic whose style is not necessarily aggressive, it's it's normally a little bit not passive, but a little bit more self depreciating, a little bit. They're not going to get. It's just it's just not the place. 
Yeah, I mean, that in particular, that show is a format and a, um, an attitude which does not is not conducive to women in comedy. Or just know? more laid back comedians. But I hear it's got better uh, since Frankie and Russell have left. Uh, that's what I've heard. That's what I've done. No, no, I'm not not better. As in, I don't know what the show's like, but I've heard that the atmosphere in okay. that is less combative right. since Frankie yeah. and Russell have left. That, that people can actually speak. Okay. Um, I don't know whether the show's got worse. I have no idea. They've got they've got Milton on a lot more. Milton Jones has been he on. Completely yeah, completely changes the time. Yeah. yeah, but he he yeah, but it's it's difficult to get stuff on. You know, it's mm-hmm. quite hard to get stuff on, but. It's been working well for him. It's been nice just to have people like him, and I guess they had Stuart Francis on before him as well, who's a, in a similar area where yeah. um, where they sort of you know try and create the space for the for the different tones. But uh, but it is tricky. Hmm. What's interesting though, I mean, coming on to talk to Gina Moore is about the fact that Americans don't have seem to have panel games. They don't. That's yeah. what I find incredibly weird. No, are, are we about to are the British about to? bring on another format into American television that they will then hate us for, because they already hate us for reality television and Big Brother and all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. Um, What's, what, why do you think that is? I mean, <coughs> I don't know why, you know, you feel quite, you should why just they say haven't got panel shows? Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. It's weird because, you know, that's a very good, you know, platform for comedians and Americans love comedy. I can't understand why they're not taking on another format of television to bring more co- comedians on television. I have no idea why. It, it's weird. But um, I just got invited back to LA to do a, a pilot on Saturday for Jeff Ross, who does all the roasts, you know, all the, the... And he's got his own pilot, and he's been watching Mock the Week. And not, not that he's using that, but he's trying to at least incorporate an element of that into yeah. his pilot. So you never know. You might see something along the lines... Mm. Up on mm. Well, they did a they, they did a, a another pilot as you mentioned. They did another pilot of Have I Got News for You this quite quite recently, I think. In America, in, in America, yeah. And they they tried it once before at the height of uh, whose line is it anyway? Um, whatever that was, was that the name of it in America? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and but I mean this this time, you know, they really they really worked hard at it. And they really wanted to make sure this is absolutely, you know. As, as good as a, a topical panel show can be in America. Um, and I gather you said it's not been given a series, is that right? Uh, not as far as I know. But American um, news is very, it's very insular. Yeah. You know, have I got news for you? You cover British news, you cover foreign news, foreign policy, there's a lot, there's a, it encompasses everything. Whereas Americans don't know anything about anything that's happening outside of America. Mm. And American news and politics is really... I mean, they've got the daily show. Even more compartmentalised is that because it's uh, it's more even more down to a city and then a state level yeah. even before the nation. Yeah, I mean, the, well. the Daily Show is about as close as you get to really good topical comedy, and even that doesn't cover that broad spectrum. It's mostly, I mean, I, I I like the Daily Show very much, and I try and watch the weekly. They they only give us the weekly one now over here of more four, and I watch it. I mainly watch it to see if John Oliver's going to be on it. To be honest, yeah. Um, but they don't. They don't have to talk about the White House a lot, and the Senate, and the Con. And I don't really understand how it all works. And they are very, very, very specific in their comedy. And the senator mm-hmm. said this, and this guy said that, and this guy said that. It's but, it's um, very journalist-led. Program, isn't <clears throat> yeah, it? I mean, once as it pleases me that it's on, that it's so in depth and it credits the audience with so much intelligence. But again, it's a cable show, and it's probably a self-selecting audience. And but you know, it's quite a lucrative audience. 
there's, and there's like there was a spin-off there was a Colbert Report yeah he's still there so there, there are these kind of actually funnily enough the Daily Show kind of thing we, we haven't cracked over here which is you know sort of the late edition was in that sort of area but um, well interesting we shall see what happens mm. when Britain's Got People launches on November the 14th five <laughs> pilots for a daily topical show another thing that you heard first here should, on we should note um, that uh, BBC America are about to launch a panel show hosted by Graham Norton. Uh, it's right. not topical. Um, Graham Norton? What's he been you... I've not come across him recently. What's he been up to? It's called Would You Rather? And that's running <coughs> for 13 weeks from the 5th of November on BBC America. Okay. Cool. Okay. Transatlantic listeners out there. Mm. Well, that's quite Give that a go and let us know what you think of it. Yeah. It'll be the would you rather presumably be would you if you had to you know would you lose an arm or a leg or if you had yeah, to probably. go to a place would it be this place or that place? Do we have many transatlantic listeners? Uh, to this? I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure if it breaks down. No. Right. Okay. Mm. There's a lot of a lot of BBC shows go over to BBC America, don't they? Yeah. They don't really it's QI's got quite a not massive but a reasonably large cult following uh, in the states. Um, but apart from that, there's very, very little of that type yeah. of show that mm. makes it onto those. And uh, they're making a lot of remakes now, I gather, as well of British TV shows. Not just, not just the let's take a show over there and cast it with Americans. And they're actually sort of trying to do them properly, aren't they? Is mm. that right? I think White White Van Man is. Yeah, uh, White Van Man and Suburban Shootout are in development. Right. And uh, free, agents. free agents has just bombed. Didn't survive. Right. How, how many episodes did that get? Four. <laughs> I think it went to four. Right. Um, and I didn't really watch the British version, so I couldn't couldn't say whether it was a, a good or a bad. If whether it was an injustice that it's so many years ago, I can't remember what it was like. It's yes, another thing that Hank Azaria has been in that hasn't succeeded, which seems to be a shame. Given you know he does the Simpsons, he's so good at it, and he keeps being in films that aren't very good, and TV that isn't so good. I think Stephen Mangan is in it. In the British version, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Stephen Mangan and Cheryl Baldwin. Yeah, Anthony Head was in both UK and US remake. Did anyone see the Hunt for Tony Blair? By the way, on the weekend, you did. No idea what it was about. Unhinged <laughs> and uh, uh, deranged, but brilliant. I taped it and haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Lots of spoof. Uh, lots of. I mean, the comic strip has always been about spoofing films, really, hasn't it? That's always been the main, I think, even more than comedy, I think, that sort of spoofing film genres is. It's a sort of really lovely spoof of sort of black and white 50s films, really. So, uh, uh, very unusual. But, uh, and completely baffling plot, really. Didn't understand it at all, but it didn't really matter. Um, so, yeah, so that's um, that's our news and reviews and uh, everything else. So, Gina, um, well, we've been chatting away here anyway, um, but it's, it's nice to see you uh, back in the UK, as you say, briefly, um, before you rush out of those development meetings um, <laughs> head back to LA. Uh, it's sort of fairly well documented why, why you left, but, I mean, can you just... Sort of talk us through what kind of what 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 finally made you decide to leave Britain um, to go. Well, I've been working here for a long time. I've reached a certain level where I've got a certain fan base. 
and it grows a little bit every year and it's very nice and I'm bubbling along. But I just felt like I wasn't going to hit the heights that the McIntyre's and would. I think I don't think my face quite fits. You know, you know, I don't care what they say. Oh, we equality, we're trying to get it's bullshit. Uh, it's always going to be middle class white boys and the odd middle class white girl that gets through, and one black guy or black girl every five to seven years. Uh, it was Jocelyn a few years ago, Jocelyn G, then Steve Kamos, and, and that's how it was. And Steve Kamos' show flopped, which means as a black comedian, we're looking at Steve Kamos' show and go, fuck, it's flopped. That means it. That fucks the rest of us up for a good few years. Whereas white comics don't look at that. They don't go, oh, whoever, so-and-so show flop. That means no white comedian is ever going to go on TV again. Yeah. It doesn't work the same way for white comics. But for black comics, that's how it is. I've been into meetings where they've gone to me, oh, yeah, we've already, we've already got a black woman. They've actually said that to me, yeah. to my face. <laughs> well, it's amazing, some of the things. And, and it just, yeah. it, it, you sure this is a meeting and not... Uh, an episode of The Office. Yeah, <laughs> a meeting with a commissioner. I remember we were talking about doing a sketch. We made a pilot with Gina uh, a few many years back, a, a sketch show. One of the ideas was to have um, a bunch of uh, sort of young, twenty-something sort of boys from Cambridge who had a sort of uh, TV show idea, and um, Gina was going to be the sort of the commissioning editor, and she was going to say to these guys, "Look." Um, uh, um, sorry, your show was okay and it did all right, but um, the thing is, we have already got a sketch troupe of four white middle class boys from from Cambridge doing uh, <laughs> you know, doing the show. And we've already got one. You know. Yeah. Uh, in fact, we got uh, this one. Oh, oh, we got that one. Oh, we got that. Oh, we got that. We got that. So, but I mean, the, we never got past pilot. So there yeah, you go. Exactly. <laughs> that never got written. But never mind. So uh, yeah, that's that's what basically. You know, I, I suppose, yeah. I've got the opportunity to go to America. Yeah. I've always wanted to live somewhere hot. I'm a sun worshipper. So I thought, great, I can kill two birds with one stone. I live somewhere hot with sunshine and palm trees. And I get to try a new market where, you know, I've been doing it a long time. So it's, and at the moment, TV's all about who's new, who's young, who's fresh, who's hot. So I've been going a long time. So people know that I've been going a long time. So they, they see me as, oh, Gina, oh yeah, she's been around. And so I've got that thing going against me now in that I've been going a long time. And people go, oh yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm almost taken for granted. You know, and I find myself being always the token blackface on TV show, and I hate that because I know I'm good and I'm as good as anybody else, and I come on and I do my job. But I know that part of the reason that I'm there is, yeah, I am consistently good, but also I make it look good because I'm a black woman. You know, I killed two birds with one stone, <laughs> and and I've noticed a lot since I've actually gone to America. I've noticed that Andy Osho is popping up on all these shows. <laughs> it's like for fuck's sake. I can see what you're doing here. Oh shit, Gina's gone. We need another token black girl. And Andy Osho is popping up doing all the shows that I used to do. And it's like, come on, people. Can't you see what you're doing? Yeah. I did think, I mean, uh, when we did, because uh, I was uh, script editing this show, Blouse and Skirt, which was a sort of black, black topical comedy show. Yeah. And I, I was the, the token white person, really, yeah. on that show. Um, but the. the, 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 the it, there's certainly no shortage of people saying, you know, they're desperate. And it's kind of, it's like the women in comedy thing as well. It's, yeah, it's crap. They really want, they say, we really want somebody. And I've seen this happen, and again, I sort of mentioned this because of topical comedy. And I saw this happen any time a woman came along who wrote topical comedy. Uh, as soon as they came along, they said, oh, we've got a woman. And 
then this, so this person would become like the sort of the totem, the, the, this the, the sort of totemic person who <coughs> represented womankind. Yeah. And if this woman wasn't quite as good enough after about half a half a dozen episodes, it was like, oh, we did it again. We tried another woman. We we tried a woman. We pushed her forward, and she wasn't good enough. Women aren't funny. And I I, I think there's a sort of element of that. Oh, there's definitely you know, an element of that, and it's just annoying. Because it's like, if they did that with everybody, there wouldn't be any television. There wouldn't be nobody on TV, because if one white guy fell and they stopped fucking all white guys, what would we have? But yet they feel they can do that with black comics. It's just irritating. So you're assuming your experience in the States is now very different. What, um, I mean, did you, and because also you had, you, got, you had a reputation here about, you know, of doing really well, doing good comedy. Did you sort of have to start again from scratch? Going start from scratch, literally started from scratch. Going out to comedy clubs and doing shows for nothing. Just walk. In LA, nobody gets paid for doing comedy. You have to go outside of LA to make money. So you go on the road and do the comedy clubs. But to do the comedy clubs in America is a totally different thing. Here, comedy clubs just book comedians. All the audience will go to the comedy club. They don't necessarily know who's on. They go in. If it's a reputable comedy club, they know they're going to get a good night. So that means comedy... Comedians get paid the same money at the clubs. You might get a headline, they might get a few quid more, but in America, it doesn't work that way. It's all celebrity-led. You can't headline a comedy club in America unless you're going to sell tickets, you know, unless they can sell tickets. So they, when I got there, I didn't realise this. I thought, oh, yeah, I'll go over there and do gigs and earn my living that way until I get on TV. That'd be fine. And I got over there, and they're like, yeah, we know you're hilarious, but um, nobody knows who the hell you are. You're not going to sell tickets, so we're not going to book you. And so I literally trudged around. I've been trudging around for the last few years just getting my name up and then being clubs in America, in LA, and getting seen and getting little bits of TV. Then I made my DVD over here at Hackney Empire and sold it to Showtime. And so they aired it as an hour special. So that started to get my name up. And so now I'm starting to get the headlining gig around America. But it's been a slog. Mm. You know, I've gone in under the radio, I'm working the hard way. Being at the hard way, I'm not going in like on a fanfare of publicity like the Russell Brands and whatnot. I'm just beavering away under the radar, you know. But there's a similar thing because uh, Jim Taveray, he, he, he Same did a thing, similar yeah, thing. Yeah. And, uh, but he, he sort of tells a story as well, you know, when he first arrived at LA and he said, well, you know, no, you're not going to get any gigs um, basically because you're, you're not young. Yeah. You know, you're, an old, you're an old bloke, basically. And he, his agent said that to him, so he sacked his agent and yeah. went along anyway to do, you know, just sort of queued outside gigs. But um, like you, he, 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 um, I think you both did um, different series of Last Comic oh, yeah, Standing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Can you just tell us a bit about what Last Comic Standing is and how it... How okay, it basically it's a uh, supposed com- com- comedy competition for professional comics, especially American Idol, but for professional comedians. Um it's been very good for the American comedians that have done well out of it. I don't think it's done brilliantly for the British comedians that entered for it. One, because Americans vote for Americans. They're very, very patriotic that way. So I doubt, I would have doubted, even if the series had continued, I would have doubted that a British comic or somebody from outside America would ever have won that show. And I do feel that it was fixed. I'm not going to lie. I do feel that. Because that girl who won a couple of years ago... Is absolutely terrible, and there's no way she should have won it. I think it's fixed, but anyway, that's just my opinion. Um, but yeah, um, that, that's basically what it is. But I don't feel the show got as much respect in the last few seasons because of the people that were winning. The first few seasons, people who won were actually very good comics, and people who got through to the finals were actually good comics that had been working a long time. But it's a reality show, it's not really a competition, it was more of a reality show. 
So they put people through that should never have been put through, basically based on a look or they look cute or they were crazy and annoying. And so it, the show actually lost respect mm. amongst bookers uh, and agents because people that were getting through were not good enough. So by the time I did the series, when I came out of it, it didn't really do that much for me in America. It was a TV credit, which was great, but I couldn't go and call up a comedy club and go, I'm Jeannie Ashworth from Last Comic Standing, because they didn't respect it that way. They're like, yeah, uh, we've had a few people from Last Comic Standing, they've turned up and they've been terrible, so we'll have to see you. Yeah. So literally, it, it didn't really do much for me in that. Right, because we, we tried it this summer and ITV did a I heard about it. Yeah, show me the funny. Yeah, um, which kind of sounds like they pretty much started show me the funny from the last season of Last Comic Standing. Then it was a kind of mishmash, really. Yeah. Wasn't it? it didn't quite. I mean, it didn't do terribly, did it? But it was. It was See, the last the season, big, yeah, they changed up the very, very last season of Last Comic Standard and made it just about the comedy. And that, I wish I'd done that Because before they had people doing stupid tasks and doing stuff that was totally unrelated to the comedy. It was just about humiliating people. And that. The last season, Last Comic Standard, was literally just stand-ups doing their stuff every week. And then the audience voting for who their favourites were. And it was a much better show because you got to see them do what they, you know, do what they do. So that was a lot better, but didn't get recognition. But so you, you live in LA now, but you're not you're, you're not so much performing in LA, you're just kind of performing all around. Oh yeah, I do perform in LA a lot. Yeah. But I don't earn money in LA. LA is very much a showcase town. You do shows in order to get seen. I mean it's kind of a it's not a nice situation that because the comedy clubs are making money, obviously. And yet the comedians that are performing are not getting paid. I think it's an it's an outrage. It's an outrage. But you know, people let it go on. People have tried to form comedy comedians unions and it, it's never worked. But um, yeah, LA is very much a showcase town. You do shows, you get seen. Because there's always, you never know who's in the audience. You know, I got my Leno spots just off them seeing me at some club and I didn't even know they were there. You know, when I did Conan O'Brien, I just happened to do the show and the booker for Conan O'Brien was in the audience and came up to me after. So you never know who's in, in the audience in LA. So you have to keep working in LA for that reason. So I'm there for the television, but when I want to work and earn money, I leave LA, I go to England, I go to Australia, I go all around America, and that's how I earn my living while I'm doing my TVs, trying to get the dream in LA. How many, so how, how many sort of gigs, how, how much time are you sort of spending gigging around in America? Um, I don't do tons, because I don't really want to, I don't really want to do the, I've done my time of staying in shitty hostels and hotels and, and getting on the road and in crappy little clubs in the middle of nowhere in England. So I'm not doing that anymore. I refuse. I'm only doing the nice comedy club. If it's a nice comedy club and it's paying me good money, I'll go. Um, so I don't spend that much time on the road in America because I'm not going to Milwaukee to a little club in Park City. I refuse to do it. I'm like, I've done all that shit. So I don't. So I just do the good clubs. I do a bit of TV. And then when I really need to get money, I come back to England and do my little tours. And that's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Stock up. Yeah. 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 How, do you, how, how do you find audiences in America compared to, to the UK? Yeah. And people always ask me, like, oh my God, but this, this the English comedy. And I'm like, if you see my comedy, I don't do the quintessential English comedy. I'm not that comedian. You know, I'm not Milton. I'm not, you know, I'm, I think my style is pretty American anyway, in that it's very direct, to the point, out there. You know, you know what you get with me, you, you get what, what's on the front of the can, you know? 
So my, I don't find any major difference. The only difference that I've found is I've had to slow down my speech slightly right. and enunciate a lot more because I did have a very broad Cockney accent which they just don't understand. So I've got slightly posher in America in that I've had to slow down and enunciate so they understand every word I say. And I have to explain myself because I'm black, I'm British. They don't know. You know, before, you know, they, they had no idea the black people in England. So when I go on stage, I have to explain to them, yes, I'm black and I'm speaking like this because I'm from England. Mm. And I have to, and I do a lot of stuff about that. So I've got a lot of material that covers that. Mm. And then obviously my observations as a British person looking at their culture, and especially as a black British person, looking at black American culture and, you know, I've got more in common with white Americans than black Americans, weird. So I talk about that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that sounds great. I love that. That sounds like a really interesting, <coughs> interesting set. But it sounds like I mean, America. It's such a big country. We and we we just tend to think of America as one big country, but actually, it's very state by state, city by city. Um, so it's sort of it's you know to, to to win over America as a whole sounds like it's a pretty big, pretty tall order. Oh, it's looks like you're up for it though. Oh yeah, I, mean, I, I love it. I love the challenge. I love the challenge. You know, I love the challenge of going around and going to little towns that I've never heard of and just seeing what I can do. So, because yeah. I mean, there's another thing that I, I became aware <coughs> of, I suppose, not, not really having known it. I mean, there were very, when I was a stand up, there were, well, there's one black stand up, uh, Phoenix Dexter. And, um, but, but working on Blouse and Skirt, I became aware of a sense that, that black performance. Were kind of they, they, they were, again you were sort of almost like you were sort of carrying the weight of, of, of uh, you know the expectation of, of the community and there was a sort of sense of that as well. I mean, do you, I presume you don't get that in America so much? Not so much, not so much. It's different. It's definitely different in America. But you know there is a perception of. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm trying to make a documentary right now, which is kind of covering my journey as a British Black British stand up to America, and I'm trying. To, sort of highlight the differences between the culture of black comedy in, in Europe, England specifically, and in America. It's just so different. Like, as a black female comic in America, they see me and they immediately assume that I'm going to be very crude or I'm going to be, if I'm not, if, if I'm fat, then I'm going to be talking about being fat. Black female comics fall into two categories, very sexually crude or fat and talking about being fat and skinny bitches. Those are the two... So I could kind of fall in the middle and they don't know what to do with me. They're like, okay, she's, she's black, but she, she's not crude. She doesn't talk about sex a lot. And she doesn't talk about being fat. And she actually travels and talks about things that we don't know about. This is weird. We don't know what to do with that. So I'm actually educating people. So th this is the... I think I'm a trailblazer, is what I'm trying to say. Well, yeah. I'm a yeah your DVD is called Skinny Bitch. So yeah, but that was... Um, <laughs> that not because... And when you go watch the DVD, I don't talk about it. Yeah. That, what it is, I used to be fat, I lost a lot of weight, and then I'd come on stage and audiences, the first five minutes of my set, my jokes were lost because the audience was all busy going, oh my god, she's lost a lot of weight, why she lost weight, is she on crack, what's going on? So I literally had to come on and address that, yeah. and that's why I called the DVDs, and then we moved on to other stuff, the first five minutes is talking about how I lost the weight, and then on to other stuff. So is it that, is that the show that's going to be on Showtime, did you say? Yeah, or? that has been on Showtime. Oh, they, right. They've been showing it for uh, over a year, yeah. They've bought it for a year. Yeah. Is, it, is it going to be on here? Um, no. But it's available to buy on DVD, I Yeah, you can buy it. But uh, no, 
as I said, it's hard to sell anything over here because they're like, oh, Gina, yeah, yeah, she's been around. Nah, I'm not new and fresh. I'm not Jack Whitehall. I'm not young white boy. Come, you know, I'm not. Uh, so he's, he's old hat now. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, that's it. You yeah. know, so I'm seen as old hat, even though I don't feel like I'm old hat. I still feel like I'm learning and growing all the time. But they're like, mm. you know, they keep going, oh, yeah, we know Gina, but we need another black person to get a TV show to. They're literally always pushing me down again. Who's behind Who you? Who's new and fresh? Mm-hmm. And it's like, for fuck's sake, you haven't given me a break yet. Give me a chance to make a good show. I could make a funny show. But having said that, I've got a sitcom in at the BBC at the moment, so who knows? They might even take a chance. But I'm not well, sure about uh, that. If, if you still, I mean, I remember that, my, that uh, character used to do Tanya uh, yeah. on uh, Lenny Henry's show, and that was a fantastic. I mean, that, that would be a. I'd love to be seeing that character now, just talking about stuff in Britain. I mean, again, talking about sort of topical comedy and things. I mean, I mean, uh, just uh, there are many ways of doing topical comedy. You don't just have to have a panel. Discussing the week's news, and, and I, I think a character like Tanya would be sort of brilliant. At yeah, the moment, it was but... a great character at the time, and I wanted to do more with it. But at the time, they had Vicky Pollard, and they had um, Catherine Tate's character, Lauren, was that her name? Yeah. And I bothered that. Yeah. So they were like, oh, we've got two white ones, we don't need the black ones. So my mum got pushed aside. Because there was, there was at one point, there was, um, <clears throat> there was talk of us doing a sketch together for Comic Relief. And that would be really funny. Yeah. Tanya meets Vicky Pond meets, but then that never happened. And then it just, you know. Well, they, they then had Lauren with the Prime Minister, so, you know, yeah. you were never yeah. going yeah. to be Bob Blair. Tony Blair. Yeah. So, yeah. You, know, yeah. So, you know, and that's the thing, you know. Um, you do a sketch show and you, you make iconic characters, which are very popular. People still come up to me five years later and quote her lines at me, and I'm like, you know, you do a, a public character, you, you hope it gets you at least in the door to do something else. It just just never seems to work that way. But, but, but you've, got a, also you, you've just been in a pilot in the States, is that right? You were just saying that... Oh, well, I'm going out there next week. Okay. Yeah, but it's out. not my show. Though. No, no, no. I, it's, it's the comedian who does it and asks for me specifically, to be honest. So it's not my pilot, I'm just going to be going out there. Great. Who's pilot? But we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm working. I'm working very hard and it's... It's starting to pay off, I think. But, you know, it's just annoying that I'm seeming to get recognised much quicker in America than in my own country. That's what irritates me the most. I'm just like, why do I have to go somewhere else to be appreciated before I get appreciated in my own country? It's just irritating, but, you know. Well, I think, yeah, and I mean, I know Jim very well, and he, he felt a similar thing. And I think, you know, when, when you don't quite fit into the whatever the, the, the kind of career mm. steps are in this country, they do, they do seem to be... Uh, sort of fairly specific now, don't they? The, the sort of comedy that he does is absolutely universal, you know, mm. a lot of visual stuff. I think it's interesting because we, we talk about um, the, the thing that's the thing that uh, the thing that writers bemoan is write is writer performers seem to get more breaks, and it seems to be that, um, uh, that especially at the Edinburgh Festival, which the, the, the comedy at the Fringe seems to be really, really grabbed by comedy commissioners and controllers and therefore gets onto television faster and writers sort of, you know, you know curse about that. But actually, uh, if it goes wrong, if, you're, if your one series doesn't get, it gets bought and it doesn't go very well and it finishes, it's sort of harder to get back, whereas a, a writer, a writer only, can sort of write a show that doesn't go so well, well, I'll write another show with some other people in it, they'll never know it was me. Um, so actually, I guess, you know, that's, that's the, the downside to being a writer-performer, mm. is that if, if you are your material, 
and it doesn't go for whatever reason, it's actually hard to get yeah. get back on. That's true. I mean, I, mean, I do. I, I, I think there is that the, there are these sort of prejudices. I do sound like I'm just moaning about my lot, though. Yeah, and I, I, no, and I, I, I get sl- and I I get slated for that. Like when I do my stand up on TV, people go, "Oh, she talks about it being black and stuff." I'm like, "Well, no, it's not." But that just. You know, I'm talking about myself, and I am a black woman, so sometimes that will creep into my comedy. Uh, nobody ever, you know, complains that Rod Gilbert is too Welsh. Do you know what I mean? But, but when it comes to black comics, they always notice these things. Oh, she mentioned she was black. Oh, I fed up with that. All oh, they talk about is race. I'm like, well, no. But also, it's true, though, that when, for comedians, when, they, when you come on and you're not extremely well-established, people go, who, you know, who is this person? And you immediately have to address what they're thinking. You know, the number of comedians who start out with, basically, yes, I know I look like yeah. X or yeah. Y, I look like, what's his name, Charlie Baker, often comes on and says, yes, I'm waiting for Jack Black to die. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a good opening line, because it's what the audience are thinking, well, exactly. if they're not, yeah. they're yeah. now thinking and laughing, and then you can deal with it and you move on. Yeah, because generally I do comedy clubs where I walk on and I'm the only black woman in the room. Of course you yeah. have to deal with it. You can't yeah. just not deal with it. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. it makes them uncomfortable. Once you've said it, they go, oh, thank God for that. Then we can move on. Yeah, but, yeah. you know. There are certain people that, that, like Nick Hancock, for instance, did 26, 26 pilots. See? Before he finally got something. You know, obviously people just thought, okay, well, he didn't work in that one. He'll we'll try him in this but one. how many black comics would get 26 pilots? How many chances, you know, and that's the thing. I know it, is, it feels like I'm going on and on about this, but, but that's the thing. We just don't get those chances. We just don't. They try you once, they go, oh, black comedy doesn't work. And that's it. And we're all tarnished with, with one person's failure. And, you know, whereas other people get pilots after the That didn't work. Okay, let's try him in this. No. Okay, let's try him in this. No. Okay, let's try him in this. Like, 26. That's a lot, isn't it? <clears throat> <laughs> so what's it what, can you tell us about this sitcom or is it all oh okay so I'm working on it with um, Peter Satter who wrote Married Single Other he's a really really good writer and um, he sees something in me that the BBC haven't seen yet <laughs> and he wrote an idea for a sitcom um, called Genocide and the basic premise of it is I'm a very bad Samaritan. Well, I'm not a bad Samaritan, I'm actually a good Samaritan, but I, I'm not conventional in that. You know, Samaritan's very nice and they talk people down and they, they softly spoke and they try and I'm like, get over yourself, you waking, you know, I'm just very waking yourself, you're an idiot. And that's my whole attitude, but my success rates are amazing. And so the other Samaritans hate me. So that's the basic premise of the sitcom. Is it and nice? And, yeah. and, it, and it, you know, it talks and it covers how I get into it, how I become a Samaritan, because it was purely by mistake, and you know, and my background. Is it audience sitcom or? Um, yeah, we didn't write it in front of a live audience, no. Right. But anyway, so that's the thing, it's in at the BBC. But so, we you should, so you should find out around about 2017 then? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and I mean, how does it work? I mean, you're saying in LA, for instance, you, you get a lot of TV work through. Um, so people seeing you live, but do you do much sort of narrative writing or uh, pitching ideas when you're in LA? I have pitched a few ideas, but I'm, it's a weird thing in that I'll pitch ideas and they'll go, that's really good, but you're not quite famous enough. We need to attack. They always want to attach somebody famous to it. So that's the problem I've had when I've pitched ideas for things. 
it's like you ha- you need to have a name attached. You know, everybody is so risk averse right now mm. that you can't just pitch an idea. Go, I've got a great idea for a sitcom based on. It's like it doesn't work that way anymore. I have to get a famous name attached to it. Even the documentary that I'm pl- I'm doing, I've started really picking up footage for it. I I know that I'm gonna have to attach famous names to it. So I'm just gonna get interviewed with as many famous comedians as I can, and then just sort of attach their names to it that way. Yeah. Again, that's the difficulty of being a white performer is that if you're integral to the idea, they like the idea, but they don't want you necessarily because you're not at the level that they want or you're not famous enough or you're, yeah. you're, you're not called Jack Whitehall or, or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that must be very difficult. Mm. But, you know, beats real work, doesn't it? Well, there you go. I'm yeah. still having fun. I'm doing what I do. I love for a living. I make a good living. I travel the world. I can't really complain. Yeah. Is, this, <laughs> is there much that you miss in Britain at all? No. <laughs> no. Uh, family and friends. Yeah, yeah. Good chocolate. American chocolate is shit. Uh, and that's really it. I, I come back and I put the TV on and I'm just like, holy shit. The only way is Essex. Are you fucking kidding me? That one a BAFTA. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> gee, that did not. It did. It was the it was the public vote, but it was still a BAFTA. Jesus Christ! Take us with you. <laughs> Take us with you. Take us back to America. Yeah, yeah. So this is this this is what terrifies me. I come back and I turn the TV on and I go, this this is this is British television right now. But I you know I'm back doing my tour. Yeah. I get to see my audience and yeah. and do what I do and have fun and, and yeah. you know. Great. Well, Gina, you know. proof there that there is another way. Other than Essex, actually, and that way is LA. <laughs> well, well done, yeah. it's fantastic. Really uh, good to see you again, and uh, glad to hear that uh, you haven't changed a bit. You know, still as gracious and uh, angry as uh, ever. Happy. I always sound really angry in my interviews. <laughs> I'm trying not to sound like my brother keeps getting on at me. Going, you stop sounding so angry. Well, Aaron's in the edit. He'll make sure it's yeah, all yeah, smooth, yeah. and yeah. he's got special software now that can do that. Yeah, take the angle out. <laughs> yes. Okay, brilliant. Well, thanks very much. Thank Thanks, Gina, James, and we'll be back again in a couple of weeks or so.